Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Full Ride here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined by fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green himself. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back talking ball as we do on this podcast so um yeah we got a lot to get to tonight man a lot to get to with these bowl games well the bowl games that are still still happening as of this recording um but it it, it is crazy that this is happening i mean we probably should have seen it coming and i don't really have like a strong perspective or a strong take on the matter it's just oh that's unfortunate and i i move on now if it affects a playoff game then it's just uh the take quakes are coming and uh i don't uh i don't know what we'll all do as college football fans collectively but fingers crossed knocking on some wood here that we don't have to even discuss such a thing because that would just be uh, well i think what i'll put to bed right now is mm-hmm. the sec policy was to not test players that were vaccinated so Georgia and Alabama both said, I think Georgia said today that like 97, 98% of the team is vaccinated or something. And in Alabama, it's like something 90-something percent of the team is vaccinated. So at the very worst, Georgia and Alabama are going to have enough players. Like they're not going to get disqualified for COVID. Like I feel confident of that. Because they're yeah. not even, if you're not even going to test the players that are vaccinated, then you're going to have enough players, you know? Does that change though? Are they still doing that? Are they still allowed to do that when they're out of SEC play and they're in the the bowl game? That's a good question. Yeah. I I guess I don't know that for a fact, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it'll be a whole another thing if 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 we're do if we're canceling a playoff game, like you said, like the the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Like <laughs> as as much as I want to see a football game played in Fenway Park, that's always a cool scene. Um, I don't think we're. I don't think anyone's losing sleep over missing that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I think it's a little insane that we're going above and beyond where we're calling these programs. Like, hey, y'all still practicing? Do you think uh, you can get a group together to to hit the field for a couple days and uh, get ready for a bowl game? Uh, you want to bring all your kids back, or do you want to do this, that, and the other? And I don't know. I just. Uh, I understand. I think the people are like, "Oh, it's another major blow to bowl season. Bowl season's going down." It's like, I, I, I think it's fine. Bowl season's fine, and I do think it's kind of funny though when I read uh, different previews and you kind of like have to uh, forget. Like the we have to get rid of the actual bowl names in the playoff games. Like the Cotton Bowl college football semifinal game is outrageous and just kind of silly that we're still calling these playoff games bowl games uh with the final bowl game being then it's just so silly to me that we have this uh uh side by side of here's what it used to be and now we're just throwing uh the college football semifinal playoff in front of it or behind it depending on what you look at uh, or your personal preference but yeah i don't know i definitely agree i definitely agree with the second part of what you're saying it just it seems silly and it's just something to like keep these these bowl games happy and everything um and that is the tradition of the sport but as far as the first part of what you said like i feel like this definitely feels like an existential crisis for like just the bowl season in Hmm. general like maybe they're not gonna go away ever but the way it currently is i feel like this just screams that like something needs to be done to like make these 
make people care, make people want to play in them, like just make them relevant matchups. Like maybe they they change it and and start doing bowl games like I don't know the week after the regular season ends or something like before there's all these this movement and everything. I don't know, but I feel like something needs to be done because I mean we've had what we have three games that have been canceled now and then three more teams that have backed out of a game. I know Rutgers stepped in for for A&M, but now you're talking about Miami being out of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Heartbreaking. Boise State being out of the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. So, like, if there's – if you could get, um, like, Central Michigan and Washington State to play against each other because they were both going to have a, a game that day, one in El Paso, one in Tucson, it's like that's a reasonable thing to do. But to expect more teams like Rutgers, like, oh, yeah, we, we were – our season ended, like, three weeks ago, but we'll play in a game. Like, that's just kind of a weird – custom to be to become the norm in college football are you answering the call if greg shiano hits you up like hey am i need, answering what call like if you're a player like let's just put uh matt green in a college football player's uniform let's just like walk me through your mindset like if i'm playing on five and seven rutgers yeah, right now and he i mean probably yeah. if i'm okay. a 21 year old college football player like favorite thing to do is play college football you know so I'm sure you'd want to suit it up one more time, um, but I'm sure there's some guys that that don't like. But someone like Rutgers also doesn't have any guys pl- training for the NFL draft or anything. Like no, no disrespect to the Scarlet Knights, but um, so like they would probably that's that would probably be the kind of team that would jump at it, and they obviously did. But um, a team that actually has some guys that are some NFL future, like they might just be like, this is a pointless game. Like I'm not gonna. Our season's over. I'm training for the draft, that kind of thing, and that would be understandable, like especially if you haven't practiced in like two or three weeks. Well, for me, it's not even that. It's just more of like I'm a I'm a headspace person, Matt. Like I don't know if uh, you've gathered that from me, but I'm a I'm a person who's all about headspace, and I do things based on where I'm at with my headspace, being very conscientious of my headspace and what I can handle and what I cannot, and uh, keeping it organized, keeping it fresh, keeping it. Uh, uh, as stress-free as humanly possible um, to not let the anxiety overwhelm me. So if I have changed, if I've dialed out or I've checked out of football for the season, which I'm sure a lot of these Rutgers players are have and um, just different five and seven programs that uh, have dispersed for the holidays um, to get a text from my coach to be like, Hey, uh, we need you back on campus to, uh, get yourself back into uh, football, a football mindset um, after after a break when you've just like kind of put a bow on the season. You're just like, all right, next thing, and I'm just moving forward into the off season program to just like jump back into that. I think uh, I don't know for me would be asking a lot, and I I don't think I would be on board with it. I would probably be like, is my scholarship okay? Then uh, I'm gonna have to pass. I'm gonna I'll, I'll see you next year, coach. Like uh, nothing oh, personal, no, no. but. <clears throat> If all your teammates are playing, like, if everyone's down to play, like, you're not going to be that guy that's, like, no, I don't want to play. I'm not in the right headspace. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you know me at all? be a great teammate. That doesn't sound like me, Matt Green. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Maybe you would be. But I don't know. I can understand that that argument. And just being, you know, the conditioning aspect to it. Yes. Uh, if you, have like, actually haven't practiced in two or three weeks, like, that, uh, you're, you're, not, you're not nearly as sharp as you need to be. For sure. 
for sure. Well, don't forget, folks, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today. If you have not already done so, every previous episode of this very podcast is on ChaseThomasPodcast.com. Um, find us, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple if you have not already done so. And you can also email us if you have any college football questions you would like us to hit. Um, in this off season, because we're doing one pod a week uh, as of uh, this recording, so uh, that's uh, that's where we're at. But yeah, chasemuspodcast at gmail dot com. Um, Matt, I had some new stuff. Uh, Nigel the Nighthawk dropped off some news that I want to hit for the Nigel. The What's Nighthawk. Nigel got for us? Nigel. Okay, so Nigel's been busy. Uh, he did not fly south for the winter. Uh, that's not how Nighthawks are. Um, stop me if you heard this one, Macarine. Did you did you see this groundbreaker from uh, from ETSU where George Corals is the new ETSU head coach, former offensive coordinator at Furman, but he was a longtime high school coaching legend here in East Tennessee at Maryville, Maryville High School, where he Mer- coached it's the Merville, right? Merville. It's a it's a whole thing. It's like Louisville. You have to. It's a very difficult thing yeah. to say. Maryville. I remember they Merville. Mm-hmm. They, they or Maryville, yeah. They played in a Piedmont's conference that my brother played in. Oh, and nice. Yeah, their old people would have hats that M U R V U L, just <laughs> Merville. Like that's how you say it. Well, this is the high school. That's the college. There's a Maryville College, but that's in Tennessee. I yes. assume it's. I assume the same city. They're doing the same yes. thing. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. But uh, high school coaching legend, kind of like Cecil Flo, uh, from my alma mater, Parkview High School, but uh, gets elevated to the to the etsu job replacing longtime longtime head coach randy sanders who as you know offensive coordinator legend at the university of tennessee before he departed um to be the etsu head coach so big big win for the buccaneers i think uh we're we're, we're, we're headlining the show with (laughs) east tennessee state's new head coach okay I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't escape it. I wanted to give him a shout out, shout out to Maryville, and keep the my East Tennessee folks happy. I mean, Oak Ridge just named a head coach, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. I'll, I'll tell you about that off air about uh, <laughs> the Oak Ridge coaching change. Fair enough. Congrats uh, to uh, George Corals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought this was interesting. So this will probably uh, get addressed more when we preview the the College Football semifinal games. Um, in a little bit, but Dan Lanning uh, will call uh, defensive plays for Georgia in the playoffs. Um, were you surprised by that? Um, I guess a little surprised, but at the same time, like if you, if he's gonna be around, like it makes sense that he's still calling the plays. Like you got, I'm sure Schumann and and Muschamp taking a bigger role over this bowl practice with. I know Lanning talked about, like, with Oregon being on the West Coast, he kind of splits his days up where he works on Georgia in the morning and, you know, focuses on Oregon in the afternoon kind of thing. Um, so I'm sure they're taking on a bigger role. But so once you get in the game, I feel like he's he's been the D.C. for this defense for three years now. I mean, he knows he knows what the what plays to call and, you know, what to get the most out of this, this defense. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, he's – Big time defensive coordinator. That's why he's getting the job at Oregon. So he's, I I uh, I do have the worries, you know, of the, the of the Mark Richt, um, Florida State story, you mm. know, where where the offense just uh, didn't show up um, in the in the national championship the year uh, after he had taken the Georgia job. So you know you do have that in the back of your mind, but um, you know hopefully. 
hopefully Georgia has what it takes to uh, to get it done regardless. It's a weird spot to be in. Um, you don't want to rock the boat. The defense has worked. I mean, obviously the last showing was not the best, but um, I think Kirby wants continuity. And um, if Dan thinks he can, you, you might as well ride out with Dan. But I do understand the the other perspective of like, well, let's see what you have as the <laughs> new co-DCs and uh, get them more acclimated. But like you said, I'm sure they've had a, They've played a bigger role as of the last few weeks, but I would be a little bit concerned that he's dividing his days up um, at Oregon because he's still filling out a staff at Oregon. I I don't know. That's uh, it's a it's a tricky position to be in, but I think this is probably the the best best thing possible. But I also don't think Kirby thought he was going to be losing Dan Lanning uh, at this point in time. So I I think a lot of a lot of things um, fell into place, but it's. It's going to be interesting to see what this looks like and see uh, how it all unfolds. But there is a lot of cooks in the kitchen with Lanning, the new CODCs, and then Kirby as well. So um, I'm sure it's going to be a collective effort and not just and, Dan Lanning calling plays. And that too. That's probably the way it's kind of always been too with Kirby, you know, having a, a, a finger on the pulse of, of the defense. So I'm sure it's it's not too much to worry about. And you you know you have some some good minds on the defensive side of the ball, and these guys have have worked together for a while. So we'll uh, we'll see we'll see if it's a storyline uh, to to look out for. There you go, there you go. Um, Five star wideout Zachariah Zachariah Branch uh, committed to USC. He's a five star 2023 kid. Um, Lincoln Riley. I don't know if you've been. Uh, like we just wrapped up early signing day for the 2022 class. So I understand why folks have not, uh, are not chomping at the bit to check out what's going on in 2023, but recruiting never sleeps. The and 2022 is not even over yet either. It's basically over. Like we can, like, uh, there are still some guys out there, but by and large, the, the, the class numbers are not really going to shift all that much. I think we, yeah, we have sure. a pretty good idea. Um, but that being said, USC and Lincoln Riley, um, I think this is interesting because Branch, obviously a five-star kid, super talented, probably going to be awesome in Lincoln Riley's scheme at USC, going to have a lot of fun there. But this is interesting from CBS Sports, quote, Lincoln Riley continued his tear on the 2023 recruiting trail with the addition of five-star 2023 wide receiver Zachariah Branch on Friday, pushing USC to the number three class in the nation. Um, Riley's first full cycle class is shaping up to be a lock for the top 10, a strong case for the top five and a challenger for the number one overall class. So he's only been there a few weeks and Riley's already putting together a 2023 class that could be number one in in the country, which is, which is incredible. If he does that, like that's just what (laughs) that is just preposterous, but it's not because it's USC. And if I'm a USC fan, I'm both giddy about the the future with Riley but also just what was this administration doing for the last decade this is what you and I have talked about ad nauseum this is what frustrates me uh, about Texas and USC in general just their general state of being and ineptitude is this that like there's really no excuse to not be doing what Lincoln Riley's doing immediately at USC and um, I don't know I, I don't it's gonna I think there's gonna be a quick turnaround at USC I think they're gonna be back in the playoff sooner rather than later and I think this is just gonna be uh, a recruiting onslaught and the DJ Uungales are going to stay home the Bryce Youngs might not uh, go east anymore and that's a that's a game changer for Southern California recruiting but 
Um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's something to monitor for folks uh, if they're wondering how uh, quickly USC is going to be on the the upswing with Lincoln Riley replacing Clay Helton. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think DJ Uyunglele would have uh, would have done much if mean, he stayed at USC. That's true. Because it looked great, but um, no. But I know your point. There's been so much talent that's come out of the state of California in recent years that just hasn't even considered going to USC. And I, I wonder if we're going to see more of this because we talked about how like they were basically just not even mentioned on signing day, mm-hmm. like like eighty something ranked uh, ranked class. And I wonder if you're the transfer portal is going to be kind of where the first year head coaches go because that entire class is just so lost. Like you, you it's so it's so difficult to salvage that class in a, a week or two week period. So. It's like if the guys want to stay on board and sign, they're already committed, great. But you could just kind of go to the transfer portal for the immediate needs and then just focus on that following class. And maybe that's that's the the strategy Lincoln Riley's doing. You're kind of seeing Florida, uh, they, they kind of slowed down on the 2022 class too. Billy Napier wanted to like reevaluate every single player they're taking because I think that's kind of a luxury you have now with the transfer portal, like, I'm not just going to take a warm body if it's not a guy we want. So the, the transfer portal, like as, as, as much as we hate this timeline, um, you know, of how everything shakes down at the end of the season and coaches having to leave and signing day and everything, the transfer portal might be what kind of allows these first year head coaches to, to salvage like their, their first recruiting class kind of, especially if it's, if it's a, a program like, like Lincoln Riley, where he can actually take guys, from the school he's coming from that would actually be able to play at the new school. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I um, I mean, it's not surprising. Like this, like you said, this is how USC should be recruiting. So now Lincoln Riley at USC, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to be top three class every single year. They're going to, they should, they should be there right where, where Ohio state is basically every year. It's like the sec teams at the top and then Ohio state every year. So to see USC in that class, that's exactly what where USC fans think they belong. Absolutely. And that's why the real expectations, it matters from program to program, but it's okay. I've always said it was okay for USC and Texas fans to have unrealistic expectations um, because they're in a recruiting hotbed. They should, the tradition is there and they have the opportunity to dominate the sport if they have the right people in charge. Um, so we'll Texas is also like recruited well, like who? they haven't Texas. Yeah. Like they haven't even really had like USC's had a couple like good classes here and there with Clay Helton, but for the most part, they were just very underwhelming for the mm-hmm. normally are. Like, Texas has been signing top five and top 10 classes like yeah. under, um, shoot, I'm totally blanking on Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's just it's it's kind of been mind-boggling why Texas hasn't been able to be good. Like something happens to this talent once it gets in Austin. Uh, take note, Quinn Ewers. Um, you left uh, Ohio State for to go back home, but he got a payday. So uh, it's a little bit different <laughs> um, at this point. But I'm I'm interested to see what the Quinn Ewers Malik Murphy uh, battle looks like uh, in the coming coming months. Um, Keaton Slovis. Last thing we'll get to our bull pick'em uh, catch up. Keaton Slovis uh, got hurt this past year. Him and Jackson Dart battled it out in Southern California uh, for that quarterback job. But Keaton, who had some Heisman possibilities coming into the year, he uh, departs 
uh, USC uh, clearing the way for Jackson Dart. They might be in the portal because I think they only have two quarterbacks right now um, with Slovis moving on. Um, but he goes to just, from my perspective, and all like just a home run get for the Pitt Panthers and just the, the kind of marriage that makes a lot of sense to me where Slovis said he wants to he wants to win now. Um, you just saw Kenny Pickett was a Heisman finalist. Pitt, no less. They just won the ACC title for the first time ever. I think it was their first conference football title um, ever. Is that? I think I read that. I could have that wrong. Is that back. right? I mean, I know they were they independent before they. Uh, I thought so, but maybe not. What they beat? They beat Georgia with Dan Marino. That was like mm-hmm. what, 1981, 82. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they may have been independent. I'll look that up. Um, but either way, just a historic season for the Pitt Panthers under Pat Narduzzi. And this is uh, this is a great get. I mean, it's a very different offense than what he was thriving in uh, under Graham Harrell. Uh, they play a very pro-style scheme up there in, uh, in Pittsburgh. But the one thing that Slovis didn't mention that I think is uh, important to note here is that their OC left. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but the guy who was the, the big... Uh, the big transformation guy was Mark Whipple, I think is his name, um, who left to take the OC job at Nebraska. So it's not the same coordinator. Um, it's probably the same kind of scheme. And I don't know if they, I, I'm not sure if they've replaced uh, from within or what they were doing there, but um, that's something I would be a little concerned about if I'm Slovis is you're not getting the same OC that uh, propelled Kenny Pickett to Heisman candidacy. But either way, uh, I think this makes a lot of sense for both sides. And I wanted to throw this to you because this is also another nugget from uh, the CBS Sports that I thought was fascinating. I want to get your perspective on is that like we don't think the, of the ACC as the best quarterback conference uh, going into 2022, but it might be with Slovis, Hartman, uh, Brennan Armstrong, and Tyler Van Dyke all back. Um, and that's just in the, I think, in the coastal alone. So. The ACC quietly true. Uh, might be... You didn't even say uh, Devin, Devin Leary, too. He had a right. great year this year. So I the ACC quietly, very... Like, they have a lot of lot of quality quarterbacks uh, in this conference now. Do you do you think that they're the best uh, in, the, in the country now with quarterbacks going into next year? Off the top of my head, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have said that. I know you're a big Sam Hartman guy. We, we won't get into that right now. But, uh. <laughs> well, hold on. I'm not, I'm not a big Sam Hartman guy. Tori's a big Sam Hartman guy. The Sports Renaissance Woman's a big Sam Hartman guy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just the messenger. I, I would have thought about that, like, off the top of my head. Um, like, the SEC, I mean, who are going to be the best quarterbacks in the SEC next year? You got mm. Bryce Young. Um, who... Is is Hendon Hooker the second best quarterback? Um, your your boy at, at Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah. Will Rogers in the mix. Um, so yeah, if, like I'm I'm blanking off the top of my head. Like I don't think um, like whoever Georgia's Will got Levis is, is not in the top like, three. Uh, Garrett Nesmeyer might start for LSU. I don't know. Um, yeah, and Max Johnson's at A and M now, right? That's true. Yeah. So yeah, I with those with those names like those are the first ones we've kind of come up with off the top of our head. And whoever Florida is going to have starting, like I don't know, is it is it Jack Miller? Is that his name? Yeah, uh, the, the, the kid State from Ohio transfer. State. Yeah, like if he's the starter, or if it's Anthony Richardson, like there's a lot of unproven there. So, and then I'd have to think about the Big Ten and Big Twelve. But yeah, I mean, 
with just those like three you named and then also Devin Leary and then, you know, Uyunglele has yeah. the potential to be good. Like that, that's probably, it probably is the best conference, uh, best quarterback conference in the country probably next year. Do you like the fit for Pitt and Slovis? Do you like that marriage? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, you know, when you can see a guy just ball out in this system, like, and, you know, we know Keaton Slovis has, has, uh, has talent. It's seems like a no brainer of somewhere you'd want to play. So yeah, it should be a, it should be a good fit. Um, we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsors, but we'll be right back. All right, we are back here on the full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast where Matt Green is still here. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Matt, we have to get into our bull pick'em. The the bull pick'em catch up. Um, how was the how was the watching? Did you watch uh, our our favorite bowl game? That's not a, not a playoff bowl game today. Oh, you know, I actually missed that one. Oh no, um, the Quick oh, no. Lane Bowl, yeah. right? Yeah, we were both dead wrong about that one. Western Michigan, Oof. although Nevada had, I think, some roster issues yes. from what I heard. But uh, Western Michigan, I absolutely blowing them out, beating the brakes off of the Wolfpack. The hometown, I mean, they had that hometown advantage. Also, their uniforms do yeah. not match their logo whatsoever. I don't know if that's just the alternate that they're wearing, but it was it's very different. So when you see like that uh, Washington football team at Jace uh, logo that they have um, versus what they had on the on the field which looks like what they were rocking during the pj fleck era I, I don't really understand that there's some i know you're a big logo and uniform guy there's some there's not a lot of continuity uh, on that front right now within that bronco program we got to get that taken care of i uh, did not see um what you're referring to but mm. i'll have to i'll have to check it out um, you're saying they don't match yeah, you know oh. that red and yellow logo, or brown and yellow logo? I'm colorblind, so I'm not 100% yeah, there's certain. there's no yellow in this uniform. See? Yeah, it's weird. These are um, these are straight, though. Like, they're, they're not... They're not bad uniforms. I'm just saying they don't match. It Like, the logo looks like a Central Michigan-type deal, and the... Um, I don't know. It just it doesn't really work for me. I, I don't understand why they have uh, two competing logos and uniforms. Fair enough. I'll uh, I'll give you that. Well, Matt Green, how did uh how did the bowl games go uh since when what was it Thursday? Do we have this up on Thursday this past week? Christmas is just blown so. by. The first game mm-hmm. Missouri was the last one okay. uh, that we picked. So um, North Texas was the first one. We didn't do too hot. And oh no, there was only a handful of games we picked. Uh, let's see, I went two and two. And the Memphis Hawaii Bowl, we had that one was canceled. So, uh, and you went uh, one and three over these four over these four games. So not because oh yeah, and Boston College was canceled too. So that was two of the two of the six games we play, picked were were both canceled. So um, right now we might have to throw the points out out the window. Oh no, and done because I mean you had thirty nine on Memphis and forty on Boston College. Those are some pretty True. big point totals to just not get, but uh, but yeah, right now I'm at 184 points. You're at 161. There, it might be a big enough difference where you know a few here and there won't really matter. But um, well, you gave me some grief about all the points I threw on Georgia State over Ball State. 27 on that one. Uh, I had you for 29. Oh, I have 27 right here. Okay, um, I may have re- wrote some of these down wrong, but um, 
Yeah, the, the the numbers I got were from the actual like uh, fantasy app, but uh, yeah, I have the potential to get seven hundred eighteen points. Mm. You have the potential for six thirty nine at this point. So um, we'll see how it shakes out. There's a lot to be done. I'm nine and eight so far in all the bowl games, and you're seven and ten. So seventy percent uh, passing. I'm passing. I don't think that's seventy percent. I'm looking at sixty eight percent right now, and I'm rounding up. It's the holiday season. You get seven out of seventeen. Yeah, that's that's not, not bad. That's seven out of ten. No, but I mean, like, we, this is the holiday season, and I'm a I, I'm I'm not a math major. And in the spirit of Christmas, I thought it would only be fair to round up. I would round up for you, Matt Green. <laughs> See, I got that. Uh, I have a winning record right now. No big deal. Okay, that's enough. So we're gonna keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we and we picked a solid day because um, we got a a bunch of bowl games the next couple of days, so mm-hmm. we uh, have to we're gonna have to jump right in. All right, where are we going first? So uh, I think we're going to spend the most time on the college football playoff. So we'll uh, we'll do the rest in order. But I think we got to start with uh, Cotton Bowl, three thirty game, Alabama Cincinnati. Oh, we're doing that first. I was going to hold that, just run through these bowl games real quick, and spend the rest of the time on uh, on the the playoff games. Is that what you want to do? Yeah. All right, let's call the audible. All right. <laughs> Um, so if we're doing it that way, uh, rapid fire, mm-hmm. we'll start off, uh, on the 28th. We got what? Five games on the 28th. Um, the ticket smarter Birmingham bowl, <laughs> Houston and Auburn. I think the, um, you know, Auburn obviously doesn't care about this game, but I think the home field advantage is too much. And, um, uh, this will be like a home game for Auburn. So, uh, I got the Tigers 23 points. Uh, I don't have a good feel for this game at all. I, I This was one of my lowest uh, picked ones for me. I have Auburn at six points, but I don't feel good about it. This Houston team is good uh, this year, and I feel like they have a lot more to play for. And what we saw with that UCF-Florida game makes me even more nervous about this one. Um, Bobo was obviously fired. You got Austin Davis coming in there. Uh, not there yet, the, the QB coach at Seattle. Um, but Knicks is gone. I... I don't know. I, I don't feel great about this. Like, I would not be the least bit surprised if uh, Houston wins this game uh, tomorrow, but we'll see. No, I wouldn't. But just looking at Houston, like, before they went on their 11-game winning streak, like, they lost to a pretty mediocre Texas Tech team. So probably even say bad Texas Tech team. So I think Auburn's much better than, than someone like that. But this bowl game, that, that was so long ago. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what these teams bring to Birmingham. Um, but uh, keeping it moving, the Serve Pro first responder bowl. This one's in Dallas. Uh, we got Air Force and Louisville, and uh, I like the Falcons in this one. I um, I think they've been a solid team all year. Louisville's been inconsistent. I'm putting 25 on Air Force. 25 on Air Force. Just give it to me. I like it. Support the troops, sir. Um, <laughs> Air Force. I don't. I don't know. I like the Air Force teams and like this kind of stuff. And then you, you just see um, Army beat Mizzou on a walk-off. I think that was that kid's first kick over 40 yards uh, ever. Um, so that was like a big a big get, big win uh, for, for the Black Knights and a, a crazy two-for-four performance from the, the QB who marched down the field. Um, Army winning on a two-minute drill. It's pretty wild. I don't know. Louisville needs this one, man. Satterfield needs some wins because that early signing day was an abject disaster for the Cardinals, and uh, they need some. So they got Tion Evans, uh, old friend from Tennessee, coming in through the portal. But 
I don't know. They they should win this game. And I'm worried about Air Force in a foot race. I'm worried about Air Force if they're playing from behind. So I think Louisville, if they can get up, they can get up 17-7, 21-10, something like that. I think uh, they roll here. But if it's a low-scoring time of possession battle, I, I like Air Force. But I don't feel good about it. Just like the Auburn game, give me Louisville. All right. How many points did you say? Uh, five points. Five points. All right. And uh, keeping it moving to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. This is one of those sponsors that's uh, hung strong for years now. So the AutoZone <laughs> Liberty Bowl sounds normal to me. Um, we got Mississippi State and Texas Tech. Um, just talked about the Red Raiders a minute ago. I'm just not a fan. I'm got, I got 31 on Mississippi State. I have 17 points on the Bulldogs, but you know, this is like a this is a great matchup. I like this. I wish this like this is the Mike Leach bowl game, the Mike Leach revenge game. Remember? Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, this is how this ended. Do you remember how bad that uh the what was the guy's name who whose kid was involved, the old Craig James? Yeah. Um so I think uh Leach might want to get up for this one. I think he might want to beat the beat the crap out of the red raiders here I, I think he might have some some personal animosity there um i i i just a hunch so give me the bulldogs to win this one 17 okay. points okay um to the san diego county credit union holiday bowl uh this one we got ucla and nc state and um i've just I've been a big fan of NC State this year. They just seem like a quality, just a solid team. And um, for that reason, I'm putting 24 on the Wolfpack. You're a big Devin Leary guy. Dave Doran's your dude. You you back the pack, as they say. I have I have hyped up Devin Leary already on this show. Um, I think he had like 35 touchdowns this year. He had a really good year. So uh, low-key quarterback you, NC State. I'm taking him. They're kind of like Oklahoma State for me. I think that's what Dave Doran and NC State is at this point, right? We're like, they're going to get that one magical year where they finally do break through. They're going to do it. And then they just can't uh, have a situation where they get stuffed in the one-yard line to keep them from going to the playoff. Like, hopefully that's not how it ends for them. But they're just too competent. They're just going to be competent and good every single year. And one year it will come to fruition and it will all come together to the point where they can win the ACC and uh, be in a position to make the college football playoff. But um, yeah, I don't know. They're just uh, annoyingly solid. Like I always bet the over on whatever the preseason over under is for the Wolfpack under Dave Doran. This is just a solid, solid to great program. I think we can, can just say great at this point. Um, I don't know if I can say NC State's a great program. I think it's great given the, uh, given the circumstances, the resources, and the consistency. I think Oklahoma State's a great program. Like, I think Mike Gundy's got But that's why they're a super solid program. Okay, Oklahoma State, solid. I think, has had, like, at least some top 10 finishes here and there. Like, I think they've been much more legit than NC State. Like, NC State, like, is a lot of years where they'll finish ranked 23rd or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. I'll take super solid. That's fine. Um, and if I'm a fan of NC State, I take that most years. Uh, all that being said, give me the pack here as well. 28 points on NC State. All right. Put it on the board. Um, next one, the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix, Arizona. We got West Virginia and Minnesota in this one. And frankly, 
West Virginia playing outside of Morgantown, that's basically what it comes down to for me. So I, I got 17 <laughs> on Minnesota. Um, I have 29 on Minnesota. I agree with the, the going away from home. Different team. Neil Brown's team away from away from Morgantown. Um, also, Tanner Morgan, uh, year what? 37 uh, and go for country. And I think he's back next year, right? Didn't Tanner Morgan announce he somehow has another year of eligibility so he could be back next year? Did he? I'm pretty sure he's coming back. I'm pretty sure. Yes, he is returning for his sixth season in 2022. Wow. Living the dream. <laughs> that man is never graduating. Uh, Van, I'm, give me the fighting Van Wilders. <laughs> uh, that's a... Uh... Quality pick right there. Is that a, is that a good reference? Does anyone, my Lee Corso on. Does anyone remember Van Wilder? Is it too, oh, too far? Sure. I actually watched a, a video um, recently on YouTube about how like the national, like the rise and fall, like the national lampoon like, <laughs> franchise. That was essentially like the last good, like successful movie that the, they made. Hmm. And like, was that like 2002 or something? Goodness gracious. Um, yeah. He's the same person in every role, right? That's yeah. just who Ryan Reynolds is. He is Van Wilder in every role. Speaking of quick sidebar, would I would I would make the case that Just Friends is maybe the best Christmas movie. He's what? so he's so good in Just Friends. That That's an underrated crazy. movie. Man, hot take, hot take right there. Just Friends is hilarious. Like that movie will never not crack me up. I don't care. I've seen it before, but I um I'm not super familiar with it. Well, people got back into the Santa Claus I saw this year. Like the Santa Claus was something that people all mentioned on social media and we're getting, getting back into, which I thought was interesting. But I also, I don't know if you're, I, I think we're going to agree right. on this. Is it trending? I, yeah, I think it was trending. And I think people were just really into the whole Santa Claus and bringing it back. Like, Hey, remember this? This was actually funny in 1994. Um, no, I just, I think it's, something we need to, or I shouldn't say we, something that I don't do that I've never understood is that like, I don't, I don't understand the idea of watching things because it's that time of year. Like, I'm not going to dedicate my movie or TV show watching. Like I, there are so many folks that I see so clearly I'm an outlier, but I'm curious if you are that like they're, they're watching whatever. I watch sharp objects. Um, and then I watch, we're watching the outsider right now um through this holiday season and obviously not very christmasy but i don't if ozark was on right now i'd be i'd be binging that um i don't know i don't really understand the idea that like oh we're watching these christmas themes because it's christmas time or listening to christmas music because it's christmas time that's not me at all is that you so but do you do those things at any other time of the year no I, see but that's my thing is like i'm not like because we did watch a couple christmas movies i think we just watched a couple movies in general over mm-hmm. the weekend but like we watched a couple christmas movies because like i'm not going to be in the mood to watch a christmas movie at any other time of the year it's like hmm. so it seems like you know this seems like the time the time to watch uh, a christmas vacation or uh you know the santa claus i guess Although, i don't know i, I just, haven't watched santa claus in a while um, there was one really good horror movie that we watched. Um, it wasn't Black Christmas, which was uh, just <laughs> so many thoughts about Black Christmas. It was a twenty. It came out a couple years ago. I think you can watch it on Hulu. But it's a it's a wild ride. But there was like this kid killer. Uh, but it's super good. Um, it's actually a good one. But I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Of I, I'd recommend it because it's not a Christmas type thing. It's just Christmas is the the background around it. But um, I'll look. I'll oh, better watch out. It's called Better Watch Out. It's it's really good. I wouldn't. You and Tori should watch that and report back. 
All right, I'll, uh, I'll report back to you on that one. All right, where are we going next? Um, where were we? So we got the Wasabi Fenway Bowl has been canceled, SMU in Virginia. Um, and now we got the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. So maybe we'll get one bowl inside of MLB Stadium this year. And um, this, we got Maryland and Virginia Tech in this one. Hard to be too confident about either of these. So that's why I put eight points on it. But I'm going Maryland because – I just think Virginia Tech was not very good this year. New coach going in there. Another weird situation for them. Um, that being said, I don't know. Maryland is just, I would never trust Maryland ever yeah, for anything. Exactly. I, I have no interest in trusting the, the Terps under Loxley to this point. So give me the Hokies uh, in this one, 18 points. Also, um, are you reading this directly off of your app? Uh, like, the, yeah, uh, the ESPN your page, point yeah. totals. Because mm-hmm. I just noticed that like all these point totals got changed around because of these canceled games. Oh, so I was like, I had like a spreadsheet set up, so I was like updating my numbers on some of these uh, some of these point totals. So some of those like first two or three I gave weren't weren't right. They've actually been changed, but uh, it's not not important. But mm. uh, but how many points did you put on Maryland? I put uh, where'd it go? Uh, no, I put. 18 on Virginia Tech. Oh, shoot. Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Put it on the board. All right. Um, this next one, if a, if you would have told people that this was a college football, if these two teams were playing in the bowl game, uh, you would have thought it was a college football playoff game, honestly. Mm. Um, the, but it is not. It is the Cheez-It Bowl <laughs> in Orlando. We got Clemson and Iowa State. And... Neither of these teams are necessarily happy to be in this bowl. That's why it's kind of an interesting dynamic there. Like Iowa State, normally, like, oh, if they're playing Clemson in the bowl game, it's a, it's a solid year for them. But um, and, and they were fine this year. But I, uh, I'm going to go with Clemson. I'm going to put 15 points on this one. I went Clemson to 9-3 to end the year. I think they, they figured a lot of stuff out. Um, their new coordinator is getting elevated for this one, so we get to see the first um, – first showing for these new guys in here but uh yeah give me give me clemson here get that 10 wins somehow Dabo, some in a down year they 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 mess around and win 10 games and how many points uh 19 19 all right and same with this game like honestly uh if you would have told us mid-season that this was a college football playoff game people probably would have believed you um but is the valero alamo bowl in san antonio we got oregon and oklahoma and um, with with everything going on with Oregon and Oklahoma, this is like just such an impossible game to like know what what either of these teams is going to really come out with. But um, I just feel like Oklahoma's got more talent, so I'm I'm going Oklahoma and I'm going 14. Isn't Bob Stoops coaching this one? Oh, that is true. Yeah, Bob Stoops is coaching this one. Uh, lock it in. 37 points on the Sooners. 37. Okay. This man's going to have him fired up. Cristobal left. I don't even know. Joe Moorhead went to uh, Akron. Like, I don't even know who's coaching Oregon in this one. So give me... That's a good point. Give me the Bob Stoops out coaching whoever it is uh, as the interim for Oregon. The battle of the interim coaches. Yeah, bowl season's great. Two interim coaching staffs <laughs> in a big yeah, time bowl game. Yeah, um, This is honestly one of the best bowl games of the year in terms of just regional rivalries like just up there with UCF and Florida uh the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte 
you know we're going to see one crazy person with mayonnaise all over their body or something mm. at some point during this game. But we got North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, and these are two teams that just don't really play enough. We've seen this game played a, a few times. But um, this is going to be a tough one. Like I, I'm, If you would have told people before the season started that North Carolina and South Carolina would be playing in a bowl game at the end of the year, no one would have believed you. Like I would have put a lot of money that South Carolina didn't make a bowl game uh, for starters. But And we thought North Carolina was going to be good this year. But I just... North Carolina has just been so down all year. Like, just you have no idea what to expect from. I feel like South Carolina is going to come out amped up to be playing in this game. Period. So I'm taking the Gamecocks, and I'm I'm putting five points on it. Not too much confidence. Mm. Mm. I have twenty on North Carolina, and I don't actually feel good about it. I I hate that I don't feel good about it, but man. What a weird year for the... I, if you had told us before the year that South Carolina and North Carolina would finish with the same record in the regular season, I would not have believed you. Um, that yeah, all being said, man. this is it for Sam Howell. He's playing in this one, isn't he? I believe so. I haven't heard of an opt-out. Yeah, so if Sam Howell's in, give me North Carolina because this uh, South Carolina offense still really sucks. So uh, <laughs> give me... Yeah, Sam Howell is playing in this one. So give me, give me the Tar Heels. Okay, and keeping it moving, um, the Music City Bowl, the Transperfect Music City Bowl, mm. I should say, in Nashville. Are you going to be at this one? We got uh, no, the I got to work. The balls. I will not be there. I will not okay, be there. I would like to the be 30th? there. 30th? Yeah, it's Thursday afternoon, yeah. So um, we know how the Boilermakers have, uh, have come to play in some, in some big-time games this year. Uh, is David Bell playing in this one? He is not. Oh, he's not? No. Also, Tennessee doesn't have to worry about that, so I might should have put more points on, on the balls. But I'm putting uh, I'm putting 25 on Tennessee. 39 for me on uh, on mm. the balls. Uh, yeah, no, there there's no chance they're losing this game. Hooker's no. all back in. Oh, Cedric Tillman's locked in for next year. Hooker's locked in. Um, last game for Cade Mays. Uh, no, this is uh, this is going to be all Tennessee. Lock it in lock it in and um what would have been one of the more interesting new year's six bowls this year i think the peach bowl but we got two heisman candidates both opting out of this game hard to know what to expect from pittsburgh and michigan state in this one um but i think michigan state missing their star running back is going to be easier to replace than pittsburgh missing their star quarterback so for that reason, I'm taking Michigan State and putting 11 points on it. I agree with your reasoning. Um, Peyton Thorne, I think, will be throwing all over this pit defense, which was not very good this year. So uh, give me the Spartans 38 points. 38. No picket here. It's just I think it's hard to get up for this game if you don't have your Heisman finalist quarterback in this one. I don't know. Kind of a downer. For sure. Um, keeping it moving, the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl. We got Wisconsin and Arizona State. The geography suggests Arizona State, and I think that can sometimes be a factor in these bowl games. But um, I feel like Wisconsin was kind of coming around at the end of the year. They obviously didn't end up getting in the big, uh, winning the Big Ten West. But I, um, I like Wisconsin this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put 16 on it. Hmm. What a weird year for Wisconsin. What a weird year for Wisconsin. 
Um, I went with Wisconsin, 21 points. Um, but I, again, another one I don't feel great about, but I could see this Wisconsin defense giving Jane Daniels and, and company a, a lot of problems. They keep Max Hall as their OC. Uh, Auburn had some interest for a while and looks like he may be Auburn bound, but he elects to stay in Tempe. Uh, I don't know. This is going to be interesting to see how Jane Daniels fares against some premier uh, defense and Jim Leonard's fighting Badgers. So give me the, the Badgers uh, 21 points. All right, keeping it moving. Uh, our first game on the 31st, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl was supposed to be Texas A&M, but we're going to have Rutgers facing Wake Forest. And I think I just directly swapped my pick. Oh, I just realized it just gave me Rutgers because I didn't have I had A&M first. Oh, this is oh. very sneaky. Very yeah. sneaky. You should go ahead and uh, go ahead and swap that. That's basically what I did. I think yeah. I had. 37 on AM, and as soon as I heard it was Rutgers, I just swapped that 37 right over to Wake Forest. So, um, this Wake Forest offense was just really good this year. So, I think, uh, I think they'll take care of business versus a team like Rutgers. Yeah, I, uh, I like Wake Forest here. Give me the claw offense, uh, 22 points for Wake Forest. Works out for him. I would be happy to substitute, uh, Rutgers for AM whenever possible. Yeah, seriously. And then the um, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. This one has been canceled on the 31st. And I know Boise State has backed out of the Barstool Sports mm. Bowl, but that hasn't actually been canceled yet, right? I mean, I think they're out, so we can't really pick that. Yeah, but I, we don't have a game to pick, so right. we'll, we'll, we'll not pick that one too. But I think there's a chance that Washington State might could play Central Michigan yeah. in, in that bowl, but... But, yeah, so both of those games on the 31st, we got nothing. Um, and then we got the college football playoff, but we'll we'll get back to that one. Um, on the 1st, we got the Outback Bowl, which is hilarious that it's just a corporate sponsor bowl, but that sounds like a normal bowl game. Yeah. You know, it's just the Outback Bowl. None of these crazy corporate sponsors. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so that one's in Tampa. We got Penn State and Arkansas. This is a really interesting game. I like, I like, I like all these uh, January first games. It seems like that's when we can finally see some of these, you know, mid to upper tier teams in these major conferences play each other. And Penn State, I feel like they 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 were solid this year, but they were just they were just always lacking a little something every week. They just seem to lose a lot of close games. So I think Arkansas is going to find out a find a way to win this game. I got twenty four on the Razorbacks. Ooh. Big KJ Jefferson guy, Matt Green. Um, Arkansas is a tough one to figure out, uh, especially like I think they're in for a doom and gloom next year. Like I don't think they're going polling when I start to examine what the SEC West is going to look like next year. But that is a future Sam Pittman problem. Um, I like Penn State here, actually. Give me the Nittany Lions. Sean Clifford will be back next year. He's playing in this one. I think Penn State's a really good 7-5. and five. I think it's a very misleading 7-5. and five. I think Arkansas is a little overrated in four. I think they're more of a six and six, seven and five type team. And I think uh, Penn State actually has more talent here. And I think uh, they'll they'll win this game. Give me the. Give See, me I the think there's, they played very similar schedules in terms mm. of like they both played in the gauntlet that was their division. Mm-hmm. But then Penn State also had to play who Iowa and Wisconsin Auburn. And the, out of the West, and you got Auburn too. Arkansas had to play Texas, and they also played Georgia out of the East. So, like, there's a lot of similarities there. But uh, how many points did you say on Penn State? 
I have 24. 24. All right. And I get 24 in Arkansas. And so the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, we got Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. And uh, this should be a good one in terms of, you know, teams, like, with something to play for. Like, this is a big game for both these teams. Obviously, Notre Dame's got, you know, a lot of changes with the coaching staff. But really just the head coach, not too many changes. But um, I like Oklahoma State in this one. I think um, I was really impressed by their defense this year. And um, I think the Big 12 was just – was a very – was an under-the-radar, like, solid conference at the top this year. And – I'm going. To, I'm going 31 points uh, on the Cowboys. We disagree here. Uh, I got 25 on the Fighting Irish. Um, Marcus Freeman's first game as head coach. Lotta, big, uh, he had a big recruiting win here uh, to keep the Notre Dame uh, machine going going into 2022. A lot of momentum with that program. Um, and then I just I don't know how you get up for this game if you're the Cowboys. I really don't. After the way you lost and missed out on the playoff. I just can't see them bouncing back from that. I think uh, this is not going to go well for the Cowboys. Um, get their season ended uh, against Baylor on the one yard line. Give me the give me the Irish twenty five points. That was definitely a heartbreaker, but um, they were they were a good team this year. So we'll see we'll see how how uh, Mike Gundy's guys play plan. Um, the Verbo Citrus Bowl. We got Iowa and Kentucky. I was played in this bowl game at least 19 times, I swear. <laughs> they really, it feels like it. It feels like they play in this game. There was that one year they beat LSU. You remember that? On like the a, Drew Tate year, yeah. Yeah, like the last play of the game. Mm. Yeah, it feels like they're in this bowl every other year. But, um, man, it is going to be hard, especially, I don't know the times of these. I'm not, I don't have that right one in o'clock. front of me. This is 1 o'clock? Mm. Yeah, with other games going on, it's going to be hard to, to, to really get that into Iowa, Kentucky. Um, these two teams have not played the most exciting brand of football this year. Um, but with that said, I think Iowa is just a more flawed team. I think they just seem to get exposed every time they, um, they play against a team that can kind of punch them in the mouth. And for that reason, I'm going with the Wildcats. Give me 30 on Kentucky. Okay. You're out of your mind. I'm just kidding. 26 on Kentucky. I was about to make the case for the Iowa Hawkeyes who, got absolutely blasted by Michigan, embarrassed in the Big Ten title game. No, the the Iowa offense is broken, and um, I will not be treating them seriously until Kirk Ferentz moves on from his son as OC. Can't do it. They're out. Kentucky is is a long way from Michigan, but um, but yeah, I, I, I still think they're, the, they're a better team than Iowa. Yeah, give me the Cats. Um, this next prediction, I'm, I'm sticking with it. With despite the news of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both uh, opting out of this one, um, I believe the I think they said the first players that have ever opted out of the Rose Bowl. So that's not a red flag for bowls. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, everything is fine. Let's just keep on moving. Um, the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One Venture X, I should say. Um, we got Utah and Ohio State in this one. Um, I got 36 on Ohio State. Ooh. I mean, I know Oregon is one of the two teams that beat Ohio State this year, and Utah blasted Oregon twice. So as far as uh, that whole transitive property goes, you know how, that, how much that applies to football. Um, that makes you want to pick Utah. But I, uh, 
despite uh, the two best receiving options being out, I still think Ohio State just got way too much for Utah. So maybe they just feed Travion Henderson in this one. And honestly, the other the other receivers they have are, are still studs because Ohio State's just loaded. So give me the Buckeyes, 36 points. Wow. You're really confident about the Buckeyes and no respect to Kyle Whittingham's Utes. Um, I do. You know I've been a Utah guy all year, all right? You know I got respect for the Utes. Doesn't sound like it. Turning your back when it's... More on Ohio State than, than Utah. Okay. Um, I went Ohio State here, but only two points for Ohio two State. Points. Okay. I would not be surprised whatsoever if Utah wins this game. This is a big one for them. Great year. It'd be a great way to end it. Um, I don't know. That, that, maybe the biggest game in Utah history, like outside of that Sugar Bowl or, I mean, one of the Urban Meyer uh, season where you're going undefeated. Because that Urban Meyer, didn't they play like Pittsburgh? Like a, like an 8-4 and four Pittsburgh team, I think, in the in the Fiesta Bowl that year. Like it wasn't like a big, if I remember correctly. Is that think a Larry like, Fitzgerald Pittsburgh? You know, it may have been. I'll have to look that up. But um. So I, I know there was a year where Pittsburgh made the Fiesta Bowl and it was like kind of a irrelevant Big Ten, Big East champion, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, was that a Ryan Falco? What was his name? What was the lefty that Kelfo? Kelco? Do you remember the lefty they had the Southpaw quarterback, bigger dude? Um, I want to say what was his name? Not I, I like in my head, my big dumb brain, like Ryan Klesko. Um It was like Ryan Keflo. What was his name? He was a Southpaw. Um, email us at chaseonspodcast at gmail.com if you if you know this off the top of your head. But, uh, yeah, I can't come up with it off the top of my head. Uh, 2004, yes, Pitt, it was Pitt, Utah, 35 7. Uh, Utah beat them. So obviously that was a big game. And then. Who was the quarterback that year? For Oh, for Pittsburgh? Yeah, mm-hmm. let me pull it up. Um, yeah, all over it, bro. Uh, Tyler Palco. Palco! What a pull there. Tyler Palco. Okay. I like it. I, I I knew it was something like that. Okay, cool. But who was his backup is the real question. Tyler Palco's backup? Yes. The fact that you're throwing this out there tells it's me. It's obviously something. a gettable question. Yeah. You're asking too much. I just pulled. It's a famous transfer. Famous transfer. Hmm. Give me three. Nate Peterman? No. Hold on. I, I respect uh, you coming up with a guess, but um, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. So he transferred to Delaware from there. Correct. I think it worked out for him. That's like the yeah. rare go from FBS to FCS to save your NFL draft stock move. Yeah, without a doubt. But um, yeah, and then there was the year they played Alabama, but there's the, the obviously the question of how motivated Alabama was in that Sugar Bowl back in 2008. But so they had to deal with that. So I'm sure they'll have to deal with the same thing if they beat Ohio State in this one. But this is a this is a massive game for for Utah, especially just playing in the Rose Bowl. Now being in the Pac-12 feels different, right? Like this is this is what we do as a Pac-12 team. So um, winning the Rose Bowl could be big for Utah, but neither of us picked it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what what uh, what Whittingham can do. Um, our last game on the first. What do you? By the way, sidebar. <laughs> What do you think about these New Year's Six games being played after the playoff games? You think it's weird? Mm, I kind of no. feel like the playoffs should have been the last games played. <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's not important if you don't have a Yeah, team. I don't really have a take. I think it's fine. I, it doesn't bother me. Fair enough. Um, 
it would be nice if we got like a whole a whole week of games after like to build up to the championship but we get that we get that like five six day break but um it bothered me more if we had a couple if we had several after the national title game then we're just like what are we doing what i do really have a take about yeah that would be terrible is mm-hmm. the national championship game needs to be played on saturday damn it <laughs> it should be played on saturday i just hate that the idea of this being on a monday night it's just so dumb we play for college football on saturday all season but uh i agree with that you don't move the we're just gonna make it super bowl super bowl tuesday you know it's like that would just that'd be so random but um anywho uh the all-state sugar bowl uh, our last one on the first is baylor and old miss and i know you're probably thinking i've been very heavy with my sec picks um so far in this pod i think i may have picked every sec team playing so far but i'm not picking this one i'm taking the baylor bears if you like the baylor all season i'm putting 26 on the bears 26 on the baylor bears is corral playing in this one corral is playing in this one he he is playing right yeah yeah i couldn't go I like baylor, i was going back um mm-hmm. this second day they're gonna they're gonna get corral on a pick or two I mean, if you say so, the dude's insanely accurate. It's been really good, really solid. Um, I got Ole Miss here, 11 wins for Kiffin and, uh, and at Ole Miss. So, But I only have three points. I only have three points. I could see this going either way. I have no idea. But I also weirdly feel better about Baylor if they were going with the backup. I'm not sure Bohannon's better than the backup. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, he looked really good. Um, Against the Cowboys. The a very good Cowboys defense. Yeah. For sure, I um, I have a hot take for you. Mm. I just think I think Matt Corral is the most overrated player in, in college football this year. Oh yeah, like I do not see Matt Corral being an NFL quarterback. I like, mm. well, I just interesting. don't. See, he threw like twenty touchdowns this year. It's like that's like that's Jake Fromm's bad season is worse than twenty touchdowns. I'm not saying he doesn't have like more tools than someone like Jake Fromm that does or anything, but like. He had a great like rushing production, but he's not he's not the kind of athlete that's going to be able to run in the NFL. Like he's he's athletic for a quarterback, and so he'll be able to, you know, make those plays like Aaron Rodgers does, keep plays alive and pick up a first down or something. But I don't I don't I just don't see him being a good NFL quarterback. I think a lot of people talk about him being a first rounder or top ten pick. I just I don't know. I think he he juiced his stats before sec play this year and Ole Miss did not play any good teams at a conference and then against sec teams he was just kind of a a game manager it was like and he threw like in like eight sec games and he threw like eight touchdowns like five picks or something like that like nothing nothing really impressive i like i think the the hype around matt corral is just kind of i i haven't i haven't really bought it all all year to be honest i i don't agree um and just seeing what he did against Tennessee was pretty bonkers. Um, he kept them in that game, and he's just so smart with where he runs and when he decides to run and keeping drives alive, really accurate, um, knows where to go with the football, super smart kid, um, sees the field really well. But I I think it's interesting that you, you have this take because Grayson Weir of um, Brit Bible and uh, formerly of Red Cup Rebellion was on last week, and he made the point that Corral is the best Ole Miss quarterback of all time. And that it's not even really. I guarantee that you never saw Archie Manning play. Okay, well that's different and different offenses and like. I'm just saying, Archie Manning is like 
goat status to people that are, they're like that age like because he was like he was a dynamic athlete too i just think I, well like, archie wasn't even up. in his top three so he had so he said that corral has had the best uh i think he said the best tenure statistical tenure at old miss and then you have um chad kelly who had the best single season and was probably robbed of a heisman um that year where he robbed really... a robbed of a heisman is a stretch chad kelly was good swag kelly was fun and good and then he had eli at third but i i didn't even put that on my radar but like yeah and no Ole respect Miss. for jeremiah masoli no no brendan schaefer um who's it oh who's the check jevin sneed was that the javon sneed Oh, yeah, it was Jevin the, Sneed. I thought it was Javon. Is it Jevin Sneed? Uh, the lefty? Was he a lefty? And then you had Bo Wallace. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Bo Wallace. He was solid. But you brought up the Tennessee game. I think that's like a perfect example of why people like loved Matt Corral. He was 21 of 38, 231 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Like Tennessee's defense wasn't very good this year. I you had to watch people... that game, man. I'm telling you. That but, dude... No, I agree. In college, he balled out. Like he... He willed that team to a victory. Like, he had 30 carries for 195 yep. yards. But 30 carries <laughs> is not going to be something he can do in the NFL. And, and especially how he runs, too. Like, he, like, lowers his shoulder yeah. and, like, takes on contact. Like, he's just not going to be able to play how he plays at the next level, in, in my opinion. That's why I just don't really get, like, his passing numbers. Like, that's what you have to draft a quarterback for. Unless they're a Lamar Jackson Jalen Hurts, like one of these truly like elite athletes that can running the ball can actually be legitimate production in our offense. Like I don't, I don't see him being like a a good NFL quarterback. But that's just me. I just, uh, I just want to throw that out there. Be on the record for it. <laughs> okay. All right. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. And then um, we got the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Um, we got LSU and Kansas State. I probably put too many points on on this one but um i'm just a believer in interim orgeron and so for that reason i'm going 23 points on lsu interim orgeron it really should be a thing i if i'm a smaller school i'm just like keep get writing him blank checks like if you're hmm ball state what do you have to lose just interim at orgeron <laughs> you'd have to get him to take the job but maybe vanderbilt vanderbilt's the the job for ed orgeron honestly put this man on a one on a one-year contract yeah just make him just make him fight for his life and uh you'll get something yeah why can't i find this pick lsu's like why am i not i've scrolled back and forth and i'm going up and down i think i might be getting old um but i can't find it where is my lsu pick why i've gone up and down this is my third time i still don't see it why do i not see it on the espn app uh it disappeared this one hasn't hasn't gotten canceled since we uh since we started the pod did it i don't think so but i can't find what in the world oh here it is okay i know why because i went over it i this was enough my picks were different for this so i have lsu at four points four points hmm I don't feel so great about it. It's going to be interesting how this uh, this shakes out here at the end mm-hmm. with uh, the point totals. You have two, three, and four on the last three games. And I have 36, 26, and 23. So, yeah. Got some big point totals out there. All right. All right. But, uh, those are all our games. And now, are you ready for the, uh, you ready to get into the playoff? Let's do it. Let's get into the playoff. Let's, okay. Do you want to start with Georgia or do you want to end with Georgia? Uh, either way, it's your call, it's your team. Let's uh let's start with uh let's start with Alabama Cincinnati. That's the that's our three thirty game. Okay. On the thirty well, first. 
Well, I have a... I don't... Do you like that, by the way? I'm pissed that this is at 3.30. What time would you want it to be? 7.30 and then do another game a different day. I don't want to do these back-to-back. Uh, well, that's fair. Um, just two night games, just on the 31st and the 1st, like that would be cool, or on the 1st and the 2nd or something, but... I like it. I like both games being the same day, though. Hard pass. Don't want eight hours of this. That's emotionally exhausting. Don't want eight hours of note taking. As someone who suffers from carpal tunnel, this is a this is a doomsday situation for me, Matt Green. What does the carpal tunnel have to do with it? Because I'm taking notes throughout. Oh, oh, you're taking. So my 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 left hand is just gonna be in shambles. Like I'm just gonna be like on page seven of uh, the the yellow legal pad and. It's uh, it's not going to be great. So shout out to college football for ensuring that uh, I have crippling carpal tunnel for the foreseeable future. Well, and I remember the last time Georgia was in the playoff, uh, the Rose Bowl was the early game. And then mm-hmm. the Sugar Bowl with uh, Clemson and Alabama was the later game. So like you didn't have to get as up for that game. You know, obviously I'm not a fan of uh, Alabama or Clemson. But um, in general, though, I, I love like I. Like, do you like the conference championship weekend of the NFL? Like, where they play the... I feel like that's the best weekend of the year because they have those back-to-back games on Sunday. Like, I love that, personally. That's okay. Maybe I'm more conditioned on... And also, it just being a Sunday versus a Friday. That's what it comes down to. That's that's what that's what it is. It's, <laughs> the college football needs to be on Saturday. If this is your normal Saturday and it's a three thirty and seven thirty, like you're not going to think anything of it. But on your Friday, like you might have to work. It depends on who you are, you know, like that kind of thing. So I don't know. I just hate how we play college football on Saturday all year and then change it for the biggest games of the season. But um, but with all that said, um, this is going to be the like, like you said earlier, the CFP semifinal at the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic in Arlington, Cincinnati, Alabama. I'm just going to go out and just put it out there. I put 40 points in Alabama in this one. Like, for, I just, I think Alabama is just clearly the better team. Like, Cincinnati, like, I, I, I respect what they've done this year, but their one good win, which was a good win, over Notre Dame, like, we all know that this was this Notre Dame team was kind of not not as good as their record looked all season, right? Like they were they were almost going to back their way into the college football playoff because of so much madness we've had this season. So I'm not taking anything away from from Cincinnati going undefeated and everything, but they have not played a schedule like any of these other Power Five teams, in my opinion. Even Georgia, who's had a weaker schedule, I think there's four or five games on their schedule that are still more difficult than the top half of Cincinnati's schedule. I think if if Cincinnati's going to have any sort of chance to win this game, it's going to be Kobe Bryant and was Sauce Sauce Gardner. Is that the other corner's name? Yeah, just an all-time great defensive back name duo. <laughs> right? Like, that's the Jim Thorpe we get, Hold on, I just realized we get Sauce and Kool-Aid in the same secondary matchup. <laughs> that's very true. But um, Jameson Williams needs some sort of... Uh, good name to uh to go up against them but mm. that's what it's going to come down to kobe bryant the thorpe award winner versus versus jameson williams like if he if they're if he's actually able to lock down jameson williams like that's the only way that alabama that they can beat alabama and i for one i don't see that happening but i also i think kind of the underrated storyline because of how 
dynamic Bryce Young is and how dynamic the Alabama passing game is, is that Alabama has a good chance of running on Cincinnati too. Like as good as Cincinnati's defense was, like they they didn't just shut teams down on the on the ground. I disagree. They only have Brian Robinson, who's been banged up the last few weeks. Um, he's not a hundred percent. And then you only have what two scholarship backs going into this one. But they were still able to run on Georgia. Like, yeah. And I think well, Georgia did they? Defenses, I mean, they were able to be consistent. I mean, they had like a hundred yards rushing. Like they mm. were able to be keep them honest. And I feel like going against Cincinnati, I think we might be questioning how much they might be able to just pound the rock on, on Cincinnati because they just don't, they can't line up man for man in the trenches like a Georgia front can against Alabama. And they still got run the ball on pretty consistently. Hmm. I don't know, man. I, I think Kobe Bryant and sauce Gardner are going to give James William problems. I'm, I think John Mechie not being available for this one helps Cincinnati a great it. deal. Like, I think that's going to be an under-talked-about part of this. Um, Saban mentioned all the different guys who could step up, um, Hall and all those dudes, but um, it's just not going to be Mechie. And not having Mechie, I think, is a brutal blow um, for this team. But then again, they did lose Jalen Waddell uh, last year and didn't, didn't miss a beat. So, um, I don't know. We'll We'll see. We'll see if it uh, it ultimately matters, but I think Bama won't run on them. I don't think uh, I don't trust Bama's running game at all. I think Brian Robinson's kind of kind of beat up. I think this running back room's beat up. Um, they get their starting center back. He didn't play in the Georgia game, but I I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a situation like that. I think it's just going to be a lot of Bryce Young navigating the pocket, moving outside, um, and waiting for uh, Cincinnati to make some mistakes downfield because i don't i don't know i don't think they're gonna be able to run cincinnati but i do think they're gonna be able to find ways to to throw on them i think obviously having those two corners is gonna be great but i do think it's gonna be uh <laughs> i i'm so nervous about their play style against a team like alabama because saban mentioned this is that like he said that they play a lot of man-to-man that is their thing um that they are a man-to-man team i don't know if i trust Cincinnati players to survive man-to-man against Bama over the course of 60 minutes. I just Bama's going to break a couple and I I don't know. I, I, I think that is a big thing, but I also have this for you, Matt Green. Cincinnati is 8-0 against the spread uh, against a team with a winning record in its last eight games. I was like going into this in my research and thinking about it and then seeing that from the athletic and just going through different stuff. I'm like, hmm. I, I think there's enough in Cincinnati's favor not to win but to cover and I think people who are expecting this to be a blowout might be surprised like I think they're going to even play Bama better than Notre Dame did right like I think that's a that's a possibility last year yeah I uh, I mean I could see that I think I think it comes down to it's not necessarily that I think Bama is going to pound the rock against them I I, I just kind of think it's like an under an under like rated storyline of this game just because they were able to keep Georgia kind of off balance because you know Bryce Young is going to make his plays and they're going to make plays in in the in the passing game and if they're also running the ball on you you have zero chance to beat this team you know so I think that's that's kind of the perspective I'm coming from I think if they're able to shut the run game down and it and it has to come down to James Williams versus Kobe Bryant I think that's like that's Cincinnati's only shot of winning because, you know, maybe they can potentially win those one-on-one matchups, but 
I'm not convinced they can even win that specific one-on-one matchup, even though Jamison Williams wasn't the the Bolitnikoff winner. In my opinion, he's the best receiver in college football. So I think I am going more of a blowout. I'm thinking like 41-17. Alabama. 41-17? I mean, this team just scored 41 against Georgia. Like, you think they're scoring less than 41 versus Cincinnati? Like, I, I just... think they're a better matchup. I think Cincinnati their strength being their secondary i think is the inverse of what georgia's strength is right like i think they're probably better equipped to contain jamison williams than uh georgia was but i i think this is going to be a lot closer than that um i think the medchi factor is huge i think their issues in the running back room are huge i i think cincinnati covers i think this is going to end up being 30 23 Alabama. Mm, 30 23. Okay. How many points did you put on it on the uh on the pick 'em thing? Um <laughs> uh 40 on Bama. Okay. I um see I just think the kind of team that would beat Bama, like a group of five team that would beat Bama would be, you know, a, a Central Florida or a Boise State, you know, in their heyday. Just a team that's got like a big time offense. Like Cincinnati seems like, you know, they're trying to to do the same type of thing Alabama is, like in terms of being a, a good sound defense. Like Desmond Ritter is obviously a good quarterback. I don't think he's, you know, a great passer. It's, but he's going to have to make some plays downfield too if they're going to make – but, you know, he's, he's going to make plays with his legs, too. So Desmond Ritter, that's one, one thing we even haven't even addressed. If they're going to win this game, Desmond Ritter's also going to have to ball out. He has to have a Heisman-type game. Yeah, without a doubt. And I just, you know, maybe they could do that. But I, I, Cincinnati's offense versus AAC competition didn't average more points than Georgia's offense versus, you know, say what you want about Georgia's schedule this year. But... I kind of I, I feel like I just keep going back to comparing Georgia and Cincinnati because they're two teams that are kind of built in similar ways, but they're just they obviously I think they face different competition. They they recruit differently, obviously. Um, obviously, it was a close game last year, but not to disrespect Cincinnati, but that's who I kind of keep comparing it to because that's what we just saw Alabama do versus Georgia, and it's like I just don't see I don't see Georgia, Cincinnati giving Alabama a better game than Georgia did, but uh, but we'll see. And then the the nightcap we in the CFP semifinal at the Capital One Orange Bowl uh, in Miami Gardens we got Georgia and Michigan hmm. and um, this is going to be a good one man. Speaking of two teams that are like built pretty similarly, like Michigan is built like twenty seventeen Georgia right like with with the two headed monster in the backfield, the kind of game manager at quarterback and the elite defense and. That's who Georgia wants to be. That's just not necessarily who they are this year. I think their defense has been the best defense in college football, and I think people are quick to forget how good it was all year because of what they did uh, against Alabama. I just don't think Michigan's going to be able to expose Georgia in the way Alabama was able to. Like, there's a chance just because they are uh, a great offensive line. They won the what? Is it the Jim Moore Award? Is that the Joe Moore Award, I think, for the best offensive line in college football? And they had, you know, two great running backs. So that's that's what this game's going to come down to. I think it's just going to come down to the trenches. 
for both teams, really. Like if, if Michigan is able to stop Georgia's running game and just kind of make Stetson Bennett beat them, like that's that's the recipe for for Michigan winning. But I think also what's kind of forgotten about in the in the um, SC championship, like Georgia did have 450 yards of offense in that game versus Alabama. So they dr- drive stalled in the in the red zone. They had a couple costly turnovers, but they it's not like they didn't move the ball on Alabama. So I think with Stetson Bennett, like if he does have to make plays, like Georgia does have playmakers. Um, and especially if George Pickens is back, you saw him make the one, uh, deep ball against Alabama, but, and you saw Brock Bowers ball out. But I think if, if George is going to win this game, they're, they're going to have to get more out of the running game than they did against Alabama. And Michigan's got a stout running defense. So it'll, it's definitely going to be tough. I think, I think Alabama's run defense was better than Michigan's this year. I think it was like Michigan's like 21st, I think in the country. But uh, you also have Aiden Hutchinson, just a game wrecker on the outside. And Georgia was able to basically contain Will Anderson. Like, I don't, Will Anderson didn't really make much, many plays in the SC Championship. If they're able to do that, kind of neutralize Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, that'll go a long way. But I think, um, I think the keys to this game are going to be Brock Bowers and James Cook. I think James Cook just was not as big of a factor. Uh, in the SEC championship as he should have been catching the ball like I think he's just just such a mismatch for opposing linebackers through the passing game and also running the ball like Zamir White I think there's a lot of Georgia fans that have felt this way like they're just not very impressed like Zamir White just has not been very impressive this year Kenny McIntosh against Alabama was probably the most impressive running back so I think um, if Georgia's gonna win this game I think they just have to like I should just keep going back to the Georgia and Alabama game. Like, obviously, the stakes weren't the same for Georgia and Alabama going into that game, but I just don't think Michigan, like, the, the, the Alabama offense were 34 points versus Georgia. Do we think Michigan can come anywhere close to scoring 34 points against this Georgia defense? Probably not, but I also think there's questions with Lanning and where they're at, Colin plays, and their, where their headspace is. I think they're are things there. Uh, but I do think it's interesting where people are like, I hope Michigan was watching film at the Bama game. It's like, they don't play anything like Alabama. There's nothing they can take away really um, from that. K McNamara is not doing any, any, any of the sort that uh, Bryce Young was doing in that uh, SEC title game. But do I think they can play an efficient game against Georgia? Do I think that they could like the fact that it is a two headed monster and they're both seemingly healthy going into this one. I am extremely curious to see if they are able to establish any kind of running identity in this one. I don't think so, but I do wonder what Aiden Hutchinson does to Stetson. And I do wonder what happens when Stetson's uh, scrambling a bunch. And I think that actually works in his favor based on what we've seen from them is like, it's actually better not to have a pass rush on him. <laughs> it seems like, cause he is worse in the pocket than he is outside and having to scramble um, where it's just easier for him to see and easier for him to maneuver. Cause he's a scrambler. He's a reckless type of quarterback. And it's not like the JT type thing where he's just looking over everybody and scanning and making reads and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, I don't know. I, I agree with you um, that I just, I don't think, I think there's like two, like if you played this game the way Michigan wants to play this game and the way Michigan has to have this game go for them to win, I think they win three out of 10 times. But I just, I can't, 
I can't bet on that. Like, I think it's very unlikely that the game that Michigan wants to play and win with is the way to beat this level of talent on this Georgia team. So it's also just like kind of crazy to think about Georgia losing back to back big games, especially with the layoff. Like that is a horrible, horrible look for uh, this Georgia team and an abject disaster for this season. So I think a lot of, a lot of narratives and talking points and maybe jobs are on the line with this one for Georgia. But um, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see how it all unfolds. I'm extremely excited for this one. I'm glad it's not the 330 game, but uh, I, I do like Georgia. But like for you, Matt Green, what is the what is the biggest question you're still struggling with? Well, I think the biggest question and honestly, almost the only question you really have with Georgia is if Stetson Bennett is forced to like win the game can Georgia win the game you know I think that's what it comes down to but in this one situation like I think Georgia I've always said Georgia matches up the best with these quarterbacks that are that that can that can move but they're uh they're limited as passers right they're these dual threat quarterbacks that aren't necessarily the best passers Michigan wanting to play kind of Georgia style and pound the rock like I feel like it's it's not the best matchup or like for a team to try to beat Georgia. Like I feel like Georgia matches up well with Michigan. I just I do wonder about a team who's kind of like this isn't like a smoke and mirrors kind of thing like necessarily like an Arkansas or like Florida was that they're relying on the quarterback to be like a big part of the rushing offense. Like this is they're just much more like traditionally like solidly built that we have a a great offensive line and we have two great backs to hand it to so it's hard to say they necessarily match up well with georgia or like it's hard to say georgia necessarily matches up well with michigan but in terms of they don't have a bryce young they don't have a quarterback that's just going to run around and make plays and you you dial up the perfect defense but uh just an individual brilliance just kind of gets a team out of it like i don't think michigan has that and that's why that's why I'm going with Georgia in this one. And I'm going 27-17. 27-17. Um, hmm. I could see that. I could see that. Do you think Stetson plays the whole game? I do. I mean, at this point, I think um, like I don't even know if JT is healthy in terms of the COVID and, and stuff like that. Like, I think what it, if if you break it down the same way because you said like. Um, like the style of game Michigan wants to play, like the style of game Michigan wants to play isn't that different than the style of game that Georgia wants to play. And so it's it's hard to see, like if, say if either of these teams is held to 50 yards rushing, like who has a better chance of winning? I think if Michigan is held to 50 yards rushing, there is absolutely zero chance they have to win this game. Yeah. If Georgia's held to 50 yards rushing, it's not great, but Stetson Bennett can can kind of make some plays like Cade McNamara now that he's just a terrible quarterback or anything but you just he's for, not Peyton every, Thorne he's not going to scramble yeah he's not going to pick everyone he's not says about Stetson Bennett almost goes double for Cade McNamara like he's mm-hmm. he's thrown what like 12 touchdown passes this entire season or I think like it's it's um I think Michigan is just much more reliant on the on the running on the running game and yeah. for the the biggest weakness uh on Georgia's defense right now is the loss of Adam Anderson since he got suspended and in against Alabama you saw how huge that loss was but I don't think 
his loss, like as he was good against the run, you know, but he was just such he's Georgia's clearly Georgia's best pass rusher. And so I think that's not gonna be as big of a loss against Michigan because Georgia does have that great defensive line and those great linebackers that they can just stack up, stack the box, and kind of dare Michigan to beat them through the air. And so, like, as much as we say this game's going to be decided in the trenches, I guess, you know, it's going to be decided everywhere, right? Because these teams, both of these teams are going to force the other, the opposing quarterback to make plays. And so it's just, it's going to come down to, and we've seen these Michigan receivers, you know, versus, versus Michigan State and versus Ohio State make some plays at times. So it'll, uh, it'll be an interesting one. I, um, what, what's your score? I have Georgia 27, Michigan 24. Oh, I hope you're right, man. I um, We've gotten so few one-score college football playoff games. If we got two back-to-back, this would be a, uh, a great, probably like you said, eight hours of college, fo- college football. Yeah, I mean, I... I think it's very much in the cards. I think this is going to be a dominant front. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to give this. I don't trust the Georgia offensive line at this point. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to get after Bennett. I think he's going to cause enough havoc where they're not going to have enough time. I don't think Stetson's going to have enough time to do stuff down the field. And I don't trust this receiver room all that much uh, with Georgia at this point. I'm curious to see how the tight ends work, right? Like we haven't even talked about Washington and Bowers and what the how michigan plans to contain the 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 tight end situation because that's what georgia is is georgia is a tight end first team um didn't they have a set in uh in that game against bama where they had three tight ends out there at one point Um, yeah with john fitzpatrick too they run that a lot honestly i think that's i think that's kind of the thing they they can do to neutralize hutchinson is because darnell washington is such a good blocker and can receive uh can catch the ball as well and brock bowers like you said he's the best he's the best player on this offense honestly like he's the best tight end in college football like he's just a matchup nightmare for anybody and that's why I, I just think um i just think georgia's georgia's little weapons like that like a james cook and brock bowers just kind of hitting guys underneath i think that's what that's the advantage they're going to have in this one I agree. I agree. But I'm excited to see it happen. I'm like these kind of teams don't play like just two premier cultural programs that we just don't get to see play very often. I think what was the last time 1956 or something? Was the last time I think two? it was 65. 65. Okay. I think yeah. And this is the first Orange Bowl Georgia's played in since 1960. Mm. So not uh, really the Orange Bowl though. Wait, well, like we're just calling it the Orange Bowl. It's like this is. I mean, it's it's in Miami. It's a Miami college football. It's not even in Miami anymore. It's it's in close to Miami. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's in South Florida. It's still the Orange Bowl. And Michigan's played in a couple times uh, recently. Um, that Dalvin Cook uh, was that Harbaugh's first year, second year, uh, lost to Florida State, and Mm -hmm. uh, with Tom Brady, they beat Alabama back in back in two thousand. There you go. It's a good pull. It's a good pull. Uh, Matt Green, that's that's all I've got, man. Um, that is all I've got. We'll be back. Uh, what do you think? Sunday? I think get, get back in the Sunday for the reaction show to uh, college football playoff results. Yeah, we'll have to do something like that. Um, that uh, that sounds good. We um, I'm excited, man. We get we had we got to a lot of games this week. Let's hope let's hope that the majority of them actually end up happening. Oh, how many points did you put on Georgia? Oh, one point. You put one point. I put uh, I put thirty nine. Oh wow! There you go. <laughs> Ride or die with your team. I had to. I did just put it all out there. Yeah, I'm excited. The, the nerves all across the board for folks. This this game will be 
pretty bonkers. Um, I don't know. I, I think on both sides, it's going to get uh, pretty heated. I'm curious to see what the on the field product looks like and if there's some animosity between these two. Do we, do we see some uh, some pushing and shoving? Do we see some of that Michigan-Ohio State stuff where it's like we got to get in their head a little bit to show Georgia we're not scared? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very, very, very excited for this. Uh, Matt Green, we can find you on Twitter.com at Matt underscore Dev underscore Green. And uh, all that good stuff. Follow myself, Chase, Chase double underscore Thomas. If you like listening to Matt and myself talk to college football, guess what? We do it once a week during this college football offseason, which is basically here. Uh, the regular season, two times a week. Uh, bowl season and onward, one time a week. But Matt, thank you as always, my good friend. And I will talk to you very soon. Also, last thing, mm-hmm. shout out to uh, Maddox, who's been in the <laughs> studio with us and uh, didn't make a sound. I think he's getting back a little back Getting a little restless over here, but he, uh, he did not disrupt the pod. So, shout out. Way to go, Maddox. To the mad dog. There you go. Way to go, Maddox. Had a birthday not too long ago. Um, no doubt. Yeah, Sue's still recovering from that torn ACL, but he's the rehab's going <laughs> well based on the last thing I heard. Um, did they get anything for Christmas? No. Did, uh, did you follow oh, yeah. my advice on the Christmas after and getting those toys after? I did not. I did mm. not do that. Um, I forgot what it was, to be honest. That it's it. There's a huge discount for dog toys after Christmas. Mm. So you do you get, do the dog Christmas toys. gifts after? Yeah. We'll have to uh, let's check that out because they don't know anything. Maybe they don't know it's Christmas. Long. They don't know what's going on. They don't care that you're there. You're giving them their Christmas presents late. No doubt. Matt Green, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.